0: Also, right, Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21, the Bible says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting that is excluded? By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So the Apostle Paul, he is the stated and indisputable writer of the book of Romans. Paul, he wrote this letter while he was in Corinth, being on his way to Jerusalem to deliver an offering from the Gentile churches to poor Jewish Christians. So when you look at all of Paul's letters throughout the New Testament, there is one common theme. Well, actually, there's a couple couple common themes. And those themes being that he addressed problems within the local church, he helped them with their needs, and he reiterated the gospel message. So, Paul, he writes this letter to the church of Rome while he anticipates his opportunity to visit. In the book of Romans, it clarifies the gospel in relation to the Old Testament prophecies and the Mosaic law, which is the law that God gave Moses in the Old Testament. It also it also clarifies the role of good works in the gift of God's righteousness. So Charles Spurgeon he wrote a summary on the book of Romans. Charles Spurgeon he wrote Paul was persuaded of four things: first that God loves us; second that God has shown His love to us by the gift of His Son Jesus; third His divine love comes streaming down to us because we are in Christ and we are loved for His sake. And fourth, nothing can ever break the bond of love between God and those who are in His Son. So Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 28, which is our text for study this morning, is one passage that contains very important theology. And this passage contains three theological words, as in justification, redemption, and propitiation. And these three words are essential for understanding the gospel message. So as we lead up to chapter 3 in the book of Romans, Paul, he writes about God's wrath against ungodliness. He writes about God's righteous judgment upon the world. He writes about hypocrisy. He writes about the faithfulness and goodness of God. And he also writes about how no one is righteous. And Paul, he also talks about the law that God gave Moses. In the time that Jesus was here on earth and also in Paul's time, The Jewish people, they held on to God's law that he gave to Moses. Well, what was the purpose of the law that God gave Moses? Well, Paul writes in Romans that for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law was given to the people of Israel to give them knowledge and understanding of the fact that they could not uphold God's law. The law was given to bring people knowledge and understanding on how to live a holy and acceptable life to God. But with true humility and understanding comes the confession that no human being can fully obey God's law. So when Jesus came to the scene, the Jews did not accept him. They refused to believe that he was the Messiah that the Old Testament scriptures talked about. The Jews, they were smart people. They knew the law from front to back. They knew that the Old Testament scriptures foretold of a coming Messiah, but their downfall was their pride. The Bible says that Jesus came to his own, but his own did not accept him. So, what that means is that Jesus came to the Jews, which was his own people, but they did not accept him. So, when Paul wrote his letter to the church of Rome, the issue was that the church believed that they were under the law and still needed to do the works of the law. They believed that the deeds of the law is what brought them salvation. For them, salvation was based on works. The law for them was essentially a checklist. The law of God was never meant to bring salvation. Rather, to give knowledge of sin and point to a new covenant, and that new covenant is Jesus. The one who did what you and I can never do, and that be to fully obey God's law. Jesus said in the book of Matthew that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. All the Old Testament scriptures point to Jesus. How one day there would be how one day there would be a time where people don't live under the law, rather they live under grace. So that's a little bit of context about the book of Romans. So earlier I mentioned how there are three theological words as in justification, redemption, and propitiation. So in our text of study, starting at verse 21, it says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Verse 22 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So verse 22, it tells us key truths. Those truths being that God's righteousness is only through Jesus Christ by faith. And also that his righteousness is for all people. God does not hold back his righteousness from a certain demographic, economic status, or race. God's righteousness is for all people. Whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're rich or poor, whether you live in a trailer park or live in the suburbs, God's righteousness is for all people. And then verse twenty-three it says, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." So that verse mentions that all people have sinned and have fallen short of God's glory. It means that all of that means that all of humanity that has ever existed and will exist sins by breaking God's law, which causes humanity to fall short of God's glory. And because of that, Jesus came. And it leads perfectly into the first theological word that you and I will learn about. So, verse 24, again, it says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, the first theological word is justification, which means to declare a person to be made righteous. So, we have learned that we have fallen short of God's glory, we have learned that we are sinners. So how can you be made righteous if you have sinned and have fallen short of God's glory? Well, look at it this way. I want you to picture this illustration in your mind. So the illustration is this. You stand before a judge because you broke the law. And not just one time, but over and over and over again. In the case, you will either be innocent or guilty. You rightly, you rightly deserve to be guilty, Because of the constant breaking of the law. You plead your case, you hope that it changes the mind of the judge, but you're scared, you're discouraged, you're feeling like your life is over. Your thoughts are then interrupted by someone rushing inside the courtroom telling the judge to wait. The person tells the judge that all the crimes committed have been cleared, and you're speechless. You don't understand how this could be possible. The man who rushed into the courtroom looks at you and tells you that your sins, that your crimes have been cleared because I took them for you. The judge then tells you to go on your way because you are free. That illustration right there is is the truth of justification. How you and I rightly deserve condemnation because of our sin, but Jesus came to the world not to condemn, rather he came to save The Bible teaches that Jesus, he is our substitute. Your sins are taken off of you and they are laid upon Jesus. Jesus, he is the innocent one, but his love for you is a love that cannot be explained. It's a love that surpasses all of our knowledge and understanding. Because I think you and I can both agree that we wouldn't die for somebody else, or even as little take the blame for somebody else. But Jesus did. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So justification, declaring someone to be righteous. The righteousness of Jesus is imputed to you. Therefore, you are declared righteous to your faith in Christ. No one is made righteous. No one is is made righteous on their own good works, on their own good behavior, on their own good morals. I'm not righteous, none of us here are righteous, but through Christ, through His own righteousness, through His holiness, we can become righteous. We can be declared righteous to the eyes of God through our faith in Christ. So our second theological word is redemption. And before justification can happen, there must be redemption. What does that word redemption mean? That word redemption, it means a price to be paid. Something needs to be redeemed. So I mentioned earlier how Jesus is your substitute. And a word that is a synonym of that is intervene. So with redemption comes a price to be paid. The price being sin and Jesus paying for it. In this price it required suffering and obedience. Suffering and obedience that you and I can never do. Jesus inter- intervened by fully obeying God's law and suffering to the point of death on a cross. You are not justified freely without redemption, nor are you justified by His grace without the intervention of sacrifice. You are only made righteous through your faith in Christ. Only through the death and resurrection of Christ can you be made righteous. Can you be justified. It's His grace that justifies you. It's His grace that redeems you. His death and resurrection is the only way that you can be redeemed and be made righteous. So verse 25, it tells us of our last theological word, and this word is propitiation. Verse 25, it says, Whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So that word propitiation, it refers to a sacrifice that vindicates the injured honor of God and makes amends to the divine law for human offenses before before a holy God. So Basically what that means is that we have broken God's law. We have injured the honor of God because of our sin before Him, but Jesus makes it right. Jesus amends to the divine law for human offenses before a holy God. Our offenses are cleared through Christ. The wrath of God that you and I rightly deserve was satisfied through the sacrifice of Jesus. All the sin that you and I have ever committed and will ever commit has been erased. The penalty that you and I deserve is cleared. Through Jesus, it's as if you have always and will always fully obey God's law. Through Jesus, it's as if you never have sinned. It's as if you have lived a perfect life. Holy life, but we all know that's not true. I know for me, I'll confess that I know that I've, that for one day I've never lived a holy life, that I've never been obedient, that, that I have sinned. I will admit that. I will confess that. I'm not ashamed to, but I know that through Christ, I know that through His holiness, that through His righteousness, that I can be made right, that I can be forgiven, that I can be saved, and that goes for all of us. If we will simply just confess our sin, Admit that we have broken God's law and confess our faith in Christ, then we can be made right. We can be justified. We can be forgiven and we can be saved. So, the psalmist who is King David, uh, he wrote this in Psalm 100, in, in chapter 103. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pits, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And that is a beautifully written psalm by David. That just tells us the character of God. And that's one thing about theology. Theology is understanding about God. It's understanding the nature of God. And that's important. We need to understand who God is. We need to understand his word and what it means so we can live it correctly and even teach it correctly. And so that psalm written by King David, that is the true character of God. This world, unbelievers of God, they, don't, they make him out to be hateful. But how does that make any sense when all the Old Testament scriptures point to a time when a Savior would come to the world to redeem humanity and through Jesus that prophecy has been fulfilled? How can a God be so hateful when he looks at you with compassion instead of, instead of for what your sin deserves? God is merciful. God is gracious, God is love, and as the saying goes, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is that He sent His Son to die on a cross for you. And I don't know about you, but that is the ultimate level of love. That God would look at us, that He would look at you with compassion, that He would look at you with grace, that He would look at you with love and mercy, and He would send His Son to take your place. That's what Christ did. He took your place. He is your sacrifice. He sacrificed his life for you. He is the ultimate sacrifice. He is the lamb that was slain, all so that you could be forgiven and so that you could be saved. To conclude this passage, verse 28 in the book of Romans, it says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So as I said earlier, the law does not justify you. Rather, grace through faith in Christ Jesus is what justifies you. Salvation is not works-based. It's not a daily checklist of duties that that you must perform. Salvation is simply grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And until you understand that, you will never be free from the constant disappointment of trying to uphold the duties of the law. As Scripture says, you are not under the law, rather you are under grace. This grace that God gives through His Son Christ is available to all, and God desires that you accept it. God desires that all people come to the knowledge of truth and be saved. That's what God wants for you. God wants you to be saved. He created you in His image. He created you in His likeness. He created you to be with Him for eternity, to glorify Him. He didn't create you for anything else but that. So God, he desires that we all come to a knowledge of truth and to be saved. John MacArthur, who is the pastor of Grace Community Church, he said this. He said, God treated Jesus on the cross as if he lived your life so he could treat you as if you lived his. Basically what that means is that Jesus, he lived a holy, perfect life. He never sinned, but he was treated as if he did sin. Also, that you and I can be treated as if we have never sinned. You must understand that your sin is what nailed Christ to the cross. My sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. The Bible says that, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What that verse means is that Christ knew no sin. He didn't know it because he never did it. Christ never sinned. Christ is holy. He is divine. That is how. That is why He is able to clear your debt. That's why He is able to forgive you of your sins and save you because of His holiness, because of His obedience to God's Word, and because of His sinless nature. But God made Jesus to be sin, also that we can be made in the righteousness of God. So, Jesus. He died as if he was a sinner. Also that we could live as if we never were. So this grace through faith in Jesus, it forgives you, it saves you, it declares you righteous before a holy God. So how do I accept this grace? How do I accept this grace that God offers through his son Christ? Through hearing this message, I have been convicted that i that i am a sinner i've been convicted that that i have broken god's law i understand that i understand that i need a savior so how do i accept this grace that god gives well here's what the bible says in first john chapter 1 verse 9 the bible says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness Acts 3.19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Then Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 it says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So that right there is how you can receive grace. That's how you can receive salvation. It's humbly confessing before God that you have sinned before Him, that you have broken His law, and that you desperately need a Savior. And then in Acts, it said that we'll repent. What's that word repent mean? So that word repent, it means to turn from the ways of this world, to turn away from sin, to turn away from the life that you want to live, and to turn to God. It's being committed to living a life holy and acceptable to God, to obeying His word, to obeying His commands, and living by faith. And then, if you confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. So like I said earlier, guys, this this grace is available for all of us. If we want this grace, if we want to receive salvation... If you want to be with God for eternity and to, and to live for Him, to praise His name forever, then cry out to God. We might be wondering, well, I, I don't really know how to pray to God. How do I do that? It's simple. Praying to God is not some, like, checklist. There's, just, there's no requirement for, that you must do in order to pray to God. No, you just cry out to Him. Cry out to God. Confess your sin before Him. Confess that you need a Savior. Confess your faith in Christ. And when you do that, when you confess your sin to God, when you confess your faith in Jesus Christ, God will hear you. And He will forgive you, just like the Bible says, and He will save you. When you confess your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit will change you. The Bible says that you will be born again. That means to be born of the Spirit. That means that you are made new. That's, what, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. If you confess your sin, if you confess your faith in Christ Jesus, you confess your need for a Savior, the Holy Spirit will change your life. The Bible says that the old is gone, the new has come. So cry out to God. Let the Holy Spirit change you. Let the Holy Spirit save your life so you can be forgiven, so you can be made right before God and to be with Him for all eternity.